Good morning, Rock Bible. We have the lovely opportunity to have Mr. John Tompkins come up and talk to us today. Come on up. He's putting, he's putting Scott to shame. Scott should take some wardrobe um, advice from him. Um, and John's going to kick off a new series for us. Well, good morning, Rock Bible. And uh, Scott, eat your heart out. Check the jacket. <laughs> I have a uh, fashion designer at my home. She's sitting right over there. And uh, she's also a sermon critique person. She wears a lot of hats, walks and feeds the dog. Um, I'd like to start off with prayer. Um, and. I'm Pastor Daniel. Remember Pastor Daniel and Erica last week from Uganda? Yeah, they, they, he prayed for God to connect his work with people of integrity. And Erica prayed that, uh, or asked us to pray for orphan, orphans, and Daniel also asked us to pray for safety and for people to know Jesus. So please keep those thoughts going through your brain. Each time we think something, we reinforce it, whatever it is. And so we can choose to think about the good, choose to think about healing. Uh, there's pain going on in the world right now. There's war, there's people dying, there's surprise attacks, and there's strong feelings and resentments and reasons and fears on all sides. And um, that's hardly a new thing on the planet. Jesus came to bring healing across the board. And um, we're going to wade into 1 John, uh, first chapter. Uh, Scott finished with uh, 1 Samuel and then uh, left town and left me with the start of the new series, which was better than he did for the men's group. I think I mentioned this once before. He left and then left me with the topic of sex. You know, and then he came back when we were done. Um, anyways, um, this passage is so packed. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us an overview, emphasize a few things. There's lots of room for y'all to dig in, or if you're from South Carolina, all y'all, to, uh, to dig in, and, and, and Scott will be doing that um, Let's, let's hope we give him a, a good foundation, a good start. Um, will, you, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, please open our hearts to what you want us to receive. And may the words of my mouth and the med meditation of all of our hearts, individually and together as a body of believers, may they be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's a punchline. God uses our experiences to relate with us. He wants to be invited onto our trip, our trip when we travel on vacation or wherever we're going, as well as our trip through life. Um, there are five books in the New Testament uh, attributed to John the Disciple, the, the Gospel of John, the Book of the Revelation, and then three letters. First John, the one we'll read the first chapter, as 10 verses today. Second John and Third John. 1 John is, is, is the longest of the three letters and probably the last, uh, the last thing that he wrote that, that we have. 
So let's read John 1, 1 through 10. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And then he has a little parentheses in there. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And then it's like verse 2 continues into verse 3, or verse 1. I'll go back to verse 1 and then read verse 3. Which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you, you may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And some manuscripts say so that your joy may be complete. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Pretty, pretty strong stuff, hopeful stuff. So John had an active ministry. He was the only disciple of Jesus' uh, original crew that uh, made it, as far as we know, all the way to a natural death in his 90s. Uh, his headquarters was in uh, Ephesus, which today is the east coast of Turkey. Um, it, uh, it's a, a, a business place, lots of money, lots of activity, and that's where he was. He was counseling the churches in the wider area of the Gentiles uh, with visitations and with letters, and then wrote his gospel and this material uh, when his fellow disciples of that time and the church leaders urged him to do it so that first john is kind of a postscript to the gospel of john it's free of an address or a signature like like paul's letters i'm writing this to the church at corinth kinds of stuff um, it's free of address or signature and its style however is a match in some cases bit for bit uh, as we say these days or word for word uh, for the gospel that he wrote. Uh, the time was about 60 years after Jesus had been walking around with people, and there were problems in the church. You've heard the term Gnosticism. Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosis, to know and knowledge, and knowledge was put so high that some people who considered themselves great intellects considered that flesh must be evil, uh, and so it was impossible for God to become flesh in his son. 
why would the pure God profane himself and become flesh? And those were strong belief at that time. In other words, the incarnation, God be entering into human history and becoming man to them was impossible. So they considered Jesus to be some kind of a spiritual being, a ghost thingy type of thing. Um, and this letter is John countering that and giving witness to the physical reality of, of Jesus, God becoming flesh in love. It's a statement about that love and that our love for God is shown in our love for the brotherhood and the sisterhood of believers. That love for the brotherhood and sisterhood is inspired by the love that the Father has for all of his children. Love for God implies a right attitude of heart and mind toward him and his followers. And John was called the apostle of love. It was different for him earlier on. Earlier in his life, he was uh, seen as the opposite, self-seeking, passionate, also vindictive. Once when he traveled through a place and the people failed to respond to Jesus, John suggested that, uh, that they get all of the spiritual power going and drop a whole bunch of fire and brimstone down on those people. Uh, Jesus called John and his brother James the sons of thunder in the Gospel of Mark. So uh, Jesus was acquainted with their, uh, with their passions. And Jesus also put on some pretty, pretty good displays of rage. Uh, uh, try going down into the marketplace and knock over tables and stuff and call people a bunch of names and see how far that gets you. And he also rebuked, uh, rebuked the disciples, if you, if you recall, when they were shushing the children and, and, and telling the women to get, get these kids away. Jesus is a busy man. And he told them, you're missing, you're missing the point. The, the, the gospel, the good message, God's love is for critters such as these little guys and gals. So there was a balance between how much passion do you show and how much acting out did you do. And uh, John, John changed. In writing the words of, of this passage, he was in the season of retirement in his life, and he could look back at his methods. Uh, when he was writing his gospel, the Gospel of John, he was living over again those years of fellowship, those three years of time with the Master. And he realized the patience of Jesus. And in this new spirit, as we will get, as, as Scott gets us farther down, into, uh, into these letters of, of John, he, uh, he wrote little children speaking to the, to the people. Little children love one another. Being an old guy, he, older, excuse me, old's a judgment, I consider myself older. Um, he, he, uh, he had, a, he had a sensitivity and a passion that as he got older, and, and I'm, I know in, in my case, it may be less so much change of heart and mind as the effects of gravity. It's just too hard to get up in the morning after I do stupid stuff uh, before. Um, as Scott has often said, this is the interactive port, uh, portion of the morning. So what I'd like you to do, 
is think of a time when you and a child had a good time relating. Could have been this morning, it could have been a long time ago, it could be a grandkid. Think when you and a child had a good, good time relating. Uh, wh where were you? What was going on? If anything was accomplished, what was accomplished? Let your mind drift to something like that. And what was going on? This, this is where you get to say something. Now, if you're in some Baptist churches, especially a couple of black Baptist churches that I've been in, the saying something happens the whole time. <laughs> um, uh, what, what were quality, some qualities that made that a, a good time? Soccer field, so there was play involved, and focus, and competition. Growth. Growth. Bonding. Bonding. Say, say again? Joy and self. I, I'm getting to uh, joy. joy. Self-control. Self Pardon? Laughter. Laughter. Pure love. Pure love. Forgiveness. 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 Eye contact. Confirmation, validation of the human. Snuggles. Say again? Snuggles. snuggles. <laughs> I'm lobbying to get some snuggles for lunch. Uh, the snuggles department is up in Pleasant Hill, and uh, we're going to play it loose to see what it's like as we get closer to lunchtime. Um, she's two years old, and um, she's better than her, her cousins down in Arizona. I'm known as Silly Grandpa. <laughs> The, the two-year-old is yet to get that concept, although I'll probably get hit with that at some point. And I might have done some things to bring that on, too. I realize that. Yeah. Well, touch the back of your hand, or if you're by somebody and you and they are comfortable, touch them. Feel that. Make a funny face. Look at them. Something like that. That's what the writer of 1 John is saying that he experienced. Jesus was real flesh. It was a talking, laughing, eating, walking, lots of walks. They were fresh out of Uber in those days. Um, walking from Nazareth to uh, Jerusalem is about a 3,000-foot gain in elevation. So when, you know, you hear about Jesus went from Jerusalem to Galilee or Galilee. I mean, there's a lot of walking and a lot of muscles that get tired and stronger. So Jesus was other than some kind of a wispy ghost. He had skin, he had bones, he had flesh, he had blood. And John is saying in, in this letter, I've done those things. You know when you've seen a movie or read something that has to do with things that you've experienced before. There's familiarity there. Um, I'm seeing my buddy Mark down here. I've watched him do very fine carpentry. Mark could watch a movie and see carpentry being done and know if it's a staged or real. Yeah. Um, some say drummers can tell whether drummers are, you know, and guitar players. Well, whenever I've seen a train movie or an airplane movie or a therapy movie, I've seen those things with understanding of having done those. Right out here, I ran a freight train in the middle of the night. Oh, uh, gosh. 
50 years ago. I've ridden on them, I've climbed all over them, I've flown and jumped out of perfectly good airplanes, and some people ask, why would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? And my answer is that I've tried to use something other than perfectly good ones. And, um, and so, when I see those things, I can relate to it. John is talking about stuff that he experienced. And it was other than there's this theoretical uh, kind of concept of a pure God who, who uh, failed to, to come really be with people. He was saying he was real. Jesus was real, and I saw him. As a young man... John experienced very powerful things with Jesus. He was present for miracles. He saw amazing things. His gospel highlights seven miracle signs, and Jesus' resurrection would be number, number eight. There are miracles which are unique to, to John's writing, turning water into wine, healing the nobleman's son, healing the man at Bethesda, opening the eyes of a blind man, using spit and dirt, raising Lazarus from the dead, Peter's second miracle of the, of the big fish catch. And speaking of fish catch, John started off as a kind of hothead, as you have heard and read, uh, with his brother and, and his father. They were fishing in the Sea of Galilee. Galilee, if you've been there, any people been around Galilee? It's a big body of water. And if you, you've been to Lake Tahoe, Okay, well, imagine you're out on Lake Tahoe and the wind and the swells have come up. We've been there, and you've made sure that everybody has a life vest on. It, it, it was, and if you walked around someday the Sea of Galilee, you'll know how rough the ground and the shore and the hills can be. The stones around it are lava stones. And in that environment, John tells us what it was like to be with Jesus during those three years. He's probably about 18 to 22, doing a man's job on the sea with his brother and his father. And he hears about Jesus from Jesus' cousin. Anybody know who that is? John the Baptist, uh, his mom's sister's uh, son. And so he goes out and checks out this guy that John the Baptist was talking about. He listens to what he has to say. He watches what he does gets involved, and then around 90 years old, he writes about it. In his gospel, he makes clear observations for us. He tells us what he saw, and he tells us what he thinks. And he tells us why he's writing to us. And why is that? What is John's purpose for doing what he's doing in that writing? His purpose for writing this letter is to tell people about the joy that they have coming to them. He wrote the gospel so that people could know who Jesus was and so that they could believe. He wrote this letter to say that God's becoming human was truth and so that people could know about the joy that they had coming, believing in him. Let's uh, read verse 4 again. Can that make it uh, up, Katie? Oh, and we are writing these things so that our, and it can also be read in some manuscripts as your, all the same, according to John, so that our, your joy may be complete. And in the book of the Revelation, which John also penned, in, in chapter 5, verse 12, John is telling people that 
whatever the suffering is that they may endure, the Lamb of God, Jesus, is worthy to hang in there with through any persecution. Worthy is the Lamb. Notice the title on the back side of the bulletin, the note side, Responsibility. Notice how I spelled it. I've been spelling responsibility that way for quite a while now. Standard spelling responsibility, as I see it, is my ability to respond. What I think is cool is that I realize I was created that way. I believe that I and you were created with the ability to respond to our Creator. That makes it better for both of us, him and me. When responding to the disciples' request for prayer suggestions, Jesus gave us the Our Father. For sure His Father. And He started off with Our. We're in the club. We're in the family. And when we are in healthy families, we grow our ability to respond to each other rather than react to each other. I've spelled that a little differently also, putting a hyphen in that one. Uh, Re-hyphen-act. To react is a reenactment of some drama, some script that I picked up or taught myself along the way. And speaking of scripts, with modern technology at times, it may be getting harder and harder to know the truth. A friend sent me a letter crafted by artificial intelligence one of those things called chat GBT. He inputted a few things and then pushed the button, and his first words to me were, Brother, I'm scared. What's real and what's pretend? Photoshop, political lies, you name it. John is telling us what he saw, what he smelled. Yeah, he smelled Jesus. Free of hot water heaters and antiperspirants, human beings have a distinctive odor. <laughs> Smells are some of our oldest memories. Animals can sort out which one is their master. Babies can tell which mom is mine. John is telling us, here's who I studied, who I looked at and thought about and paid attention to and watched facial movements and eyes and hands. Uh, there's a book called Don't Squat With Your Spurs On by, pretty good advice, by uh, Texas Bix Bender. It's uh, some real Rogers types of sayings. Uh, one of them I like is, uh, uh, if you get to thinking you're somebody of importance, try ordering another man's dog around. Uh, and all kinds of good things in there. One he has is, coming as close to the truth as a feller can come. It's coming pretty close, and it still ain't the truth. John wrote in his gospel, chapter 8, verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Here's some truth, as I understand it. Everything is based on relationship. Molecules in relationship to each other. Atoms, the components of atoms all based on relationship. People, concepts. I see two kinds of relationships, one based on truth and one based on lies. 
as the scripture was saying, we, we can focus on the truth or the lies that we tell ourselves. The brain is made to survive and also to, to thrive. And it can lie to itself in order to survive. Sometimes sur to survive, we can tell ourselves stories, made up stuff. That's how an abused child endures and keeps her, her sanity. When the reality is too destructive, she goes into her mind and plays pretend. That helps her make it to live and hope and pray another day. Hopefully she has help and an opportunity to get things straight, to live with security and safety and freedom. And those of us who have been more fortunate can tell ourselves made up stories. Here's a problem. We can begin to treat those stories as if they are real. And I am absolutely certain we see it in current politics daily. Here's another side. With making up stories, our minds can allow us to slow down our thinking and go to sleep and rest. Modern brain science has discovered there's a section of the brain that does just that. It's called, two, by two names, the left, left hemisphere storyteller, right in there, and the left hemisphere uh, interpreter. Um, the brain dislikes gaps in stories. And if it's time to sleep and we've got something bothering us, the ability to kind of fill in that gap in the story is a survival mechanism that allows us to calm ourselves enough to get the rest that we need and for our ancient, ancient ancestors to have the strength to be at least one step ahead of the woolly beast in the morning so that they can run, get our rest. So that part of the brain can make up things to get us through rough patches and that can help us survive. The downside is left that way, we thwart our ability to thrive and we can make up things that create lots and lots and lots of anxiety and depression. Deepak Chopra, anybody remember that? Guy that wears the black stuff, channel nine or 709. And uh, um, he wrote a book called The Return of Merlin. And he has one character talking to, the, to another and he says, the mind likes to soothe itself with stories. And after they get made up, we run around under their spell. The report that we get out of John is history, his story. You want to play with spelling. It's real stuff. Now, if we stay in the survive mode, we'll fail to really grow. Our health and our relationships can suffer and thriving is a long way off. Back to relationships. Um, as important as things can be, things, relationships are supreme. God, the maker of things, makes relationships with him possible. God put desire for relationship with him and each other into each of us and he's created us with a hunger for joy. God in John's writings shows us how to have relationships that are genuine. Verse four, so that our and your joy may be complete. The center of relationships is Jesus Christ. Genesis 1.1, do you remember how that goes? 
in the beginning, before anything else, before time. And it's the same in John 1.1. In beginning was the word. Did you notice what I just did? I left out the the. The word in Hebrew is breshith, and it means uh, beginning as in the doing rather than a the beginning. There was other than a the beginning for God. God exists before beginning. In beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is logos, L-O-G-O-S. Logos is the basis for all organization and intelligence in the universe. A person who loses their mind has the capacity for organization gone. So time is more than clock ticks. With God, time is eternity. God exists apart from all things. Rather than a the, as in in the beginning, the Hebrew in beginning, translated and paraphrased, is more accurate for us is as when God began the process of creating. Hear the difference? When God began the process of creating means that God exists before all of creation and before time. He was before all things. And John said that he heard and saw and handled, didn't say smelled, although I'm sure he did, the eternal being. He hung out with Jesus. This God came in a way that we can relate to. John said, we saw, we heard, we studied and touched him. He made himself known. That is how we know. That's the stuff of investigations. I spent 32 years in a classified top secret science and engineering setting where people studied truth, experimental truth. There were some brilliant scientists and engineers that I worked with and have as friends who thought that only that which is empirically provable and testable is real. The only way it's going to be real if it can be tested by experiment. Others that I know, also brilliant scientists, know that there is spiritual truth beyond the experimentally provable and testable. A good friend of mine who was director at Lawrence Livermore Laboratory said, well, if that's what the other folks think, where did the laws of physics come from? His faith is in God. In verse 2, the life was manifested, made present in space-time. This God, who is pre-time, was born touchable, was manifested. Why? Because God wants relationship and fellowship with us. He wants to share commonness. God, his son Jesus from Nazareth, Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, our relationship. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus saying, our Father, you recall. That's relationship. That is relating. Do you want that? Tell God you're up for relating. Do you enjoy that? Knowledge and freedom already? Tell him you're ready for some more. Our Father who art in heaven, that's beyond before time. The test for us as to whether we are relating with Jesus, with this 
which existed before time and through which all of creation was brought into being. We know that we're relating with him according to what we read when we are more loving and more forgiving. Verse 3, fellowship with us, those relating with God. We are the bridge like a friend with a believer. Rather than you, we lead somebody to Christ by giving them all the arguments so that we've got them boxed in the corner, then the only option they have to do is salute and sign up. I think it's more that there's a bridge of love and that the Holy Spirit walks across that bridge into the new heart. Verse 4, that your joy may be full. More than happy with stuff and things. I want to enter into relating ing rather than add Jesus to my life like some kind of an app on my phone. Verses 5 through 10, John is going past his eyewitness testimony and telling us that God is light. God is love. God is light itself, life itself. He tells us what truth is and he tells us what lies are. He gives us a path into power, into relationship power, the light and the truth. When Jesus enters the heart of a seeker, that is the same light that is before time, past where the James Webb telescope has been able to reach, before a bang, however big God chose to make it. Time, light, truth, lies, joy, fellowship, touch. There's a lot going on here. Let's do the fill-ins. Everything is about relationship. Everything. Everything before creation is relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are relationship. And God uses relationship to get relationship. God wants to relate with us in heart and in mind and in action. And we're free. We have freedom. Freedom to choose. So let's start to do some wrapping up. Start to. Rather than all that finished. God designed us with the ability to choose. Why? What do you think? He wants us to choose relationship with him. Why does he care? It's better in what? Yeah. 
tell your sister you're sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Now can I have the cookie? I think the, the answer requires looking who God is. God is relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the three in one are one. Relationship exists before God began the process of creating. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are relationship. He wants relationship. And he went so far as to put his kid out there for us to experience and believe in for relationship. It's our Father. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us, however you say it, trespasses, sins, debts, the pushes toward the hour. To get to our means, I have to have a me in there to be in relationship with the Father who is in heaven, giving us this day, forgiving us, leading us away from temptation, delivering us from evil. John, John was there. John was there and heard the words out of the master's mouth, studied him intently while he spoke. The emphasis is on relationship, even down to how Jesus taught us with his buddies when he taught us how to pray. He was real. Israel had real flesh and real muscles and real pain centers. He felt physical pain in the crucifixion. His whole body hurt. He was exhausted. In his mind, he was exhausted. In his feet, in his hands, and by the way, Hands are how we reach out to each other to hurt and to heal. Those hands that were nailed through are the hands that touch to heal and to raise people back to life, to bring them back together with their loved ones. John watched those hands at work. I remember watching my father's hands at work when he was barbecuing or running a diesel locomotive or flying an airplane, removing a fish hook from my finger and also holding me to hit me. And if we deny painful truth, the lie will haunt us. If we acknowledge the truth, we can forgive, forgive others and ourselves, and get on with the business of living. God created us with choice. He wants us to be together with him and each other. And he says it's being with each other in truth, with him, free of lies, free of guilt, that we get to him. When I filled a bird feeder on Tuesday as I was preparing uh, this talk, uh, I, uh, I, um, I, I looked at a, a bag of Niger seed, seemingly millions of tiny units of energy. Bag of Niger seed is heavy. That's a lot of energy packed into each of those little bitty guys. And I realize that God made every single seed. Sometimes everyday things take on holy significance. Sometimes we see the light in some of the strangest places we'd yet to look. I was walking in Muir Woods and I saw something that was a quote of John Muir and it said, when you go to look at anything all by itself, you find it hitched to everything else in the universe. 
and before the universe and before creation. A San Francisco blues uh, musician, Delbert McClinton, has a tune entitled, Why Me? It's typical blues. He's playing in a nightclub. He has his head down. He's playing the music on his guitar, focusing, trying to keep a groove alive. And he looks up and he sees a gal. And then in typical blues fashion, it turns out bad for him. And he asks, why me? <laughs> I think it's pretty common for folks after having made some decisions with consequences that they, we, I have been unhappy with, think, why me? When I think about why God entered history with flesh and bones and blood and allowed his son to die and then resurrected him, I realize that Jesus would have gone through all of that for me alone, even if I were the only person who ever needed redemption. Same for you. And because God wants relationship and he has provided a way for us to be in relationship with him, he has provided us a way through the bumps and the catastrophic events. We are free to choose. We are free to ask for redemption and healing ongoing. The Bible talks about salvation in three ways. The event of salvation, you know, when you said that you received and acknowledged Jesus. Ongoing salvation events as we make our way through life and then the salvation to be revealed in the end times. Everything is about relationship, everything. I mean absolutely everything. The only thing that exists totally on its own is other than a thing. And Mark Heisman would say, God, Jesus, and God is relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three in one. What I've seen in nearly 50 years of serving as a therapist is that a massive burden for people, many people, has been guilt and anger underneath. Often growing up, they were told that they should feel guilty. Unexamined, that experience and other damaging ones can be carried forward into life. To join into that fellowship with the three-in-one creator is to be freed from guilt. Guilt sucks, it totally sucks, it literally sucks. It sucks the energy out of living. What God did to make relationship with us is to free us from guilt, if we choose. Jesus took on, sponged away all the guilt, and he received the consequences of that. On the cross, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? That's sheer, total abandonment from somebody who was an agent of, the agent of creation through whom everything was created. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus says to us, please join me in relationship. The cross is empty. Jesus is with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is here with us now. Jesus said, I will send somebody for you, and he used the Greek term paraclete, which means the comforter. Well, how about the word sin? Sin is an old world archery term. 
we give it religious significance. If I shoot an arrow from here, aiming it toward Bob's Burgers up on the, uh, uh, you know, free of people or cars around, and it falls short, that arrow then sinned. It's missing the mark. Think of that in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember that choice thing? How could it be any other way? Amen. Well, I think we're going to probably get some tunes and some take an offering and give the band members great big checks. Oh, JK. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that we are able to give thanks and give thanks in this way. Please receive our returning to you some of what you have blessed us with. We pray for the healing that needs to happen, for the hatred and the fear, for the guilt and the shame, and for the joy that we express knowing your Son as our Redeemer. In his name we pray, amen. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and me too. May the Lord make his face to shine right into our eyes. This is a day he has made. Let's do our best to rejoice, be glad in it, and find ways to help bring healing. In Jesus' name, amen.